Hey, it's a great privilege to have a, a great friend, uh, Terry, and his wife Susie from, uh, I don't even know where you're from, and uh, I know you're from Brisbane, but you're from Bayview as well, kind of, yeah, so you're, you're from Eskdale, the mighty th metropolis of Eskdale, there we go, and uh, Terry's a great evangelist, and uh, just seen amazing stories of how God has uh, worked through him to bring uh, salvation uh, to bring Christ to many people from all sorts of wild and crazy backgrounds, and today he is here. You told me once that you used to race nitro Harleys. Nitro Harleys, how about that? The biggest nitro Harleys in Australia, fantastic. Basically, would you please give a very warm welcome all the way from Estelle, Evangelist Terry Walker this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I am an Australian. I'm married to a beautiful New Zealand lady. And uh, thank God I met her 30-odd years ago, 35 years ago, whenever it was, because um, she really helped me change my life with, the, with the, uh, the help of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I have um, just outside there a little book that helps us get around because I can't share everything uh, that I'm going to share. Uh, it's just not... Um, it just take an hour and a half, so we're not going to do that in half an hour. I'll just share, but this little book, just um, grab it for someone who you think is on drugs or someone in your family you want to. Honestly, it works real good. We had um, church not far from here. Uh, Pastor Nigel was sharing his church, and one of the ladies grabbed the book, and uh, she was part of the Mungle Mob or family in the Mungle Mob in that uh, area, and uh, she went home and left it on the table and the, the young guy who was part of that would not go near it. But after some time, she kept uh, encouraging him and he picked it up and read it. Now they're handing it on from one to the other in there. So uh, praise the Lord. So yeah, quite, um, quite good how God does things. I'm going to just share with you and, um, uh, you know, what happened with my life. Um, I'm very blessed, like I said, to meet Susie many years ago that really helped me to get my life right. Um, but what happened to me is uh, I, I was born in uh, Melbourne, Australia. And um, right now, just to let you know too, yeah, we've built a house over here. We live in uh, North Shore Road in Estale as well as Brisbane. So I'm just travelling to and fro and uh, quite doing a, quite a lot of it and I love doing it. Anyway... <clears throat> My mother and father are good people, although my father was one out of nine uh, brothers and sisters born in a place called Toliab, very poor, uh, didn't have his dad, his dad had taken off and he went out stealing. Well, the Bible says that you inherit the sins of your fathers and your mothers. So at a very young age, my father would take me out doing stealing. We would do a lot of crazy stuff like that together. When I remember when I was in grade two, uh, we, we moved down to a place called Preston and there was... Um, a street there called Gravelli Street, and it's a very, very rough area, and they used to call it Little Chicago. It's a very bad place. <clears throat> now, I'm in grade two, and you had to walk home from school. A lot of people pick your kids up now from school, but in those days, uh, we walked home. And um, there was always bullies in that street. And for oh, a long, long time, I got bullied around, and one day, I decided to fight back. And at, at a very young age, I thought, oh, you know, I was so happy I beat the guy. And uh, what happened after that? <laughs> well, you know, because you're always getting bullied. But um, I talked to my mum and dad and I, 
I, and asked them would they put me through, you know, into martial arts. And so at a young age, I went and learnt a lot of that as well as street fighting and I became sort of really good at it. In the meantime, Dad, my father, would take me out stealing. We'd go out stealing together. We'd do break-ins of shops and, um, you know, <laughs> stolen goods and uh, just doing crazy stuff like uh, what I thought was a normal family. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, you just don't understand. You just grow up that way. And thank, thank God for Pastor Mike and thank God for his son, Pastor David. Just so good to see a family grow up in, in the Lord. It's just amazing. Amen. <clears throat> Got a wonderful church here. Anyway, I, I grew a big hatred against the police. I hated it. It was just, it was just a massive hatred. At the end of me, of me sharing my story, I want to tell you what happened with the police. But it's just amazing. Um, when I grew up a bit older, I was around the 18 years old, Mark, um, there, a job came up in the, what they call the Bundura Hotel in, in uh, Bundura. It's a pretty rough pub and they needed bouncers. They, you don't call them bouncers anymore, you call them security. Well, uh, in those days there were bouncers and I started the job, I got a job there and ended up working there for six years as the head bouncer. I ran two pubs, had a lot of bouncers underneath me and I had a lot of fights. Um, I used um, mixed uh, martial arts along with uh, my street fighting and, and was very good at it and, um, um, and was able to handle, you know, two or three people at a time. I remember one thing. I was never scared of any one person that I can remember except me. I thought one day I'm going to kill someone with my hands and with my feet and uh, that was always worrying me. One day there, one of the pub, in the pub, there was a, a cook, <clears throat> big fella he was, and he came up to me one day and he said, Terry, would you like to try smoking this stuff? And I said, what is it? He said, marijuana, and I got some Buddha sticks, you know, from Thai. I went, oh, yeah, well, what are they? Anyway, I started smoking it, and I thought, hey, this stuff's all right. I could still work on the door as a bouncer. I could still fight, but I wasn't so killer type, you know. And, uh, and I thought, you know, that was good stuff. I said, if there was ever a God in heaven, he's made that just for me. <laughs> and uh, so I go on there. And at the, in the meantime, during that time, my father come up with this fantastic idea how to beat the bookies at the racetrack, at the racetrack. So I watched him for several weeks and he was making a lot of money. And I thought, wow, I'll get into this with Dad. Dad and I had bought a house together and, you know, stuff like that, all our, our stealing and everything. Anyway... Um, so we, we, uh, I watched out, like I said, I went down the track and I bought a little gun, a little tiny gun and, and just, because you was always carrying a lot of cash. And the trouble is, I said to my father, I said, how many times a year does it lose that? And he said, Terry, only once. And uh, I said, all right. Well, it, I was born on Friday the 13th of June. And, and I always used to believe in good luck and bad luck. I don't anymore, obviously. I'm a Christian and Deuteronomy tells me I choose my own path. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> but I was right into it then. I used to believe in looking at the stars and things like, if there's a God, you know, just help me out when I'm in trouble with the police. And uh, had the police around my place. I was locked up overnight many, many times just from fighting neighbours. It was just a heavy old scene. But anyway, I gave with my dad and several weeks down the track, truly we lost twice that year. And I lost a lot of money, a lot of money. And Dad lost a lot of money, and we basically had to sell a house. You know, came out of it with nothing. I went back, or during the time that was all happened, went back to me Bundura Hotel just to do some work down there. And a friend of mine came up to me. His name was Puddin. 
His name, uh, Rodney Robinson, and uh, he's, uh, he's in prison even today as we talk. He was a very, very bad man. Puddin came to me and he said, I heard you had a bad go at the uh, trots at the races. And I said, yeah, mate, lost everything. <clears throat> he said, um, I've just acquired a massage parlour down in St Kilda, right in the heart of St Kilda. And he said, uh, what about going halves with me? I said, Puddin, didn't you hear that I just lost everything? He said, Terry, you've been in this pub for six years. He said, you know the right women and you know the wrong women. He said, you supply the women, I'll supply the thing and we'll go halves. I said, sounds good to me. He said, all you got to do is run it. So I went down there, we got it going, brand new parlour, you know, had everything in it, you might say, and uh, we ended up buying the one next door. We were going so well, I was making a lot of money. At the same time, you know, smoking dope, just living, you know, what I thought was a good life. Um, you get to meet a lot of gangsters and a lot of crazy sort of people. And I had a little bit of a name because of my fighting ability. Anyway, um, I was smoking some dope with this very high, high up in, uh, in a barrister one day. And he said to me, Terry, he said, um, I'm not just being a friend. He said, look, I've got to tell you that you've been, your parlour's been, uh, you know, uh, done by the vice squad three times. <clears throat> I said, yeah, I know. And he said, they can't get you. And they want you, Terry. It's because the women that I was, I was always looking after him, so they treated me good and they didn't want to give me up anyway. What happened, he said, uh, I'm here to tell you, if you start paying a certain amount of money to the police, to the commissioner himself, he said, uh, of the vice squad, he said, um, they're going to let you alone. I said, what? I said, get out of here. So, you know, I threw him out and I said, tell him to go and jump and all this sort of stuff. And uh, cut a long story short, uh, when you don't, at that time, the, it was, the police force was so corrupt, uh, down in St Kilda, well, they just, they went crazy on me. Basically shut me down over a few months. I came out of that place, but before I came out of it, a couple of days before I came out of it, a guy walks in selling heroin to the girls, to the prostitutes. <clears throat> and I uh, grabbed the heroin. I thought marijuana was sent from God, but heroin, yeah, no, no way. So I grabbed his heroin and, um, and uh, he took off. I got him out of the place. <clears throat> and... I sat there the next couple of days with a young lady, and I said, what, is, what does this stuff do to people? She said, I don't know, let's try it. So I snorted some heroin, which was going to lead me to the next nearly five years of my life as a heroin addict. Now, the, uh, you might remember that the, the, where I got my heroin from was a man that's well-known, uh, probably some of you might remember him, his name was Terry Clark. And uh, Terry Clark died over here in the prisons over here. But... Um, he was not a very good guy, but he sold good heroin. And they used to call him Mr. Asia and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, and I got pretty heavily involved in all that. And um, there was a show a little while ago on, on, in Australia called Underbelly 1 and then Underbelly 2. Well, I was a part of the people involved with the Underbelly 2, the fathers, the ones that are all dead now. And um, I'd drink in that pub a lot and, you know, had a lot to do with all that sort of junk. But... You know, it just, uh, my life just took a, a big turn down. I got out of the parlour scene, went down on the streets in St Kilda, started selling to the, to the, to the people down there, and uh, basically um, I got caught again, and, uh, you know, by the coppers. So I thought, oh, man, I'm looking at now, uh, you know, a little bit of trouble. Anyway, one, one day there, um, some friends of mine said to me, you want to come up for a drink? And I'd run out of money at the time, and I thought, oh, I don't want to hang out. 
you hang out on heroin, a very strong heroin. It was, it was rock-based, so it was incredibly uncut heroin. Had to mix it with uh, alkaline or, or, uh, or uh, lemon, so it was very powerful heroin. And I'm on like hundreds of dollars. It was actually 800 odd dollars a day. So you got to do wrong things to get that money to keep that heroin. And uh, they said, if you want to come to the pub, I'd run out of money at that time. And I said, yeah, I'll come. I went to the Windsor Ecos Hotel. Windsor Ecos Hotel is at the end of Burke Street in Melbourne. It was a hot Friday afternoon. And, um, and there was the, uh, they've got uh, Parliament House just across the road. And you can actually sit in the bar and have a drink and you can see the two policemen always standing there. A friend of mine, Murray, decides to get so drunk, he decides to go home. He walked across the road. They grab him and probably just put him in a lockup for a few hours. But me, being a big hero, thought, well, you know, I'll go out and, and uh, clean these two coppers up. So I walked out there and I went whack, whack and knocked them out. Now, at the same time, all this happened in seconds and in a hot Friday afternoon in the centre of Melbourne, this uh, plane car pulls up. I knew it had to be a copper. He jumps out, he's got a suit on, and he went to pull his gun, and I kicked him with, me, with my karate kick and, and broke his nose. He went down straight away. Well, there's three of them on the ground. I thought, I'd better get out of here before they wake up. So I ran down to my car. Um, cut a long story short, the last guy that I kicked and broke his nose happened to be the chief inspector of Russell Street headquarters, the biggest you can ever imagine, and just on his way home. Anyway, so they, within... Minutes, there was hundreds of police in Melbourne looking for me, and uh, very, very quickly. And they got me, they took me back to Russell Street headquarters and, of course, gave me a beating and everything. And next minute I know I'm in Pentridge Prison. And I sat there and I thought, everything I didn't want to do with the fighting. You know, I'm in jail now. This is crazy. I'm in prison. All my father, I thought, what do I keep fighting for? Why? Anyway, what happened was uh, go out to the yards one day. There was four dormitories, two yards. You go out the next day and a guy yells out to me, it's the guy that sells me heroin on the outside. He'd been caught, but he's a big dealer and he had heroin inside prison. I couldn't get away from the stuff. And I thought, you know, like my life just had it. Everywhere I go, I can't get away from the stuff. I got out of prison sometime later, out of Pentridge. And honestly, all they ever do in here is you get bunches get together and all they ever do talk about is their next armed robbery and how not to, you know, muck up the, the how you got caught in the last one, don't do that again. It's just, it's just an insane place. So anyway, um, I was reasonably well looked after in prison because of who I was and what I was doing. I get out of jail and I thought, you know, <clears throat> what am I going to do? I might as well just go and and just live life selling heroin or whatever. So I went back in into it pretty heavy, um, just selling heroin. Um, and then I got caught again by the police. And of course, the hatred that I had against the police just started to grow so intense. I mean, I hated them so bad. Now, um, now I'm, I'm looking at, you know, uh, what had happened is I went out and I went down the streets and I got caught very heavily, nine charges, four detectives, uh, two court cases, um, got out of, on bail and went to, uh, got a barrister and he said, Terry, you're going to do six years in prison if you go on a methadone program and show them that you're coming off it. I went on the methadone program and got addicted to methadone as well as heroin. So, you know, your life just takes this horrible dive and you, and you don't feel like you can control it. It's, 
It's unca- and all you ever think of is, how am I going to get more money? I used to walk around because I'd get people to go out and I had uh, cat burglars working for me, go out and, and steal gold and different people, you know, people, climb up places, get into your bedroom while you like sleeping beside your bed and they'd pull you, get your rings and they'd bring it to me and we would, you know, melt it down, do all that sort of stuff. And so I was like heavily involved in all that just to buy the heroin, to keep it coming. $800 worth every single day. I had to try and find it. So I rang up a friend of mine, and his name was Mr. Magoo. He used to have these big, thick glasses on, and his, his real name was Ian Davies. But I said, uh, I said to Magoo, I said, get me a couple of guns. And uh, you're in the game. It's very easy. So he bought me back a couple of brand-new um, Magnums. One was a 22 Magnum, and one was a 44. And um, I just thought, well, you know, I'll just do some, some arm hold-ups. So I started doing them. And uh, doing arm hold-ups, I'd do small banks, I'd do small places. Then I'd go, you know, different places like garages, anything I could do. Run in there, I'd be, uh, I'd be jumping into chemist shops, anything I could do to get money. And um, just became so insanely crazy, you just cannot believe it. People were scared to be one. I, I moved this place in Cheddar Road Reservoir. And at the time, I had three different squads of police coming in... Uh, and this is what would take place. They'd break down my doors. Now, you got I had the vice squad, which was always after arm hold-up people, and that was, they knew I was doing some crazy stuff. Could never grab me and prove it. And then I had the drug squad. It was always with the drugs. I was selling heaps and heaps of heroin. And I had the special squad, which were after a man named Alan Enright. Alan Enright was a, an incredible um, cat burglar, and uh, he'd escaped. And, of course, I'm helping him, so keeping him hidden. Anyway, so I got absolutely so annoyed at the police smashing down my door every couple of, you know, every couple of days. A different squad had come in, so I said, that's it. I said, I'm sick of putting doors on this place. So I, I made a big uh, note to put on the front door, and it says, police, door is open, please come in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was really crazy what you do, but that's where it was. I ran in, one night there, I go out, and this going to happen to be my last arm holder. And, um, and so I, um, I, I got me, I, got, I used the 22 Magnum. It's a brand new gun, had bullets and everything, and both look exactly the same, just different holes, different you know, size hole in the barrel. I get the gun, and I was a lot thinner then, so I'd put it down, I got the mask over my head, and I ran into this place, and the guy was freaked out. I said, open the safe, and he's just like freaking out. And um, I was pretty crazy, some of the things I'd say. And he got the safe unlocked, and then he went into a frozen motion. He couldn't move. And I got mad with him and went, believe it or not, I still find this hard to understand how I'd even think this way. And I thought, I'll just shoot him in the head. And so I got the gun. I'm about four, five foot, six foot from him. I thought I'd just, you know, wing his ear. And I went, bang. And the gun never went off. Now, just before all this took place, I'm going to tell you, I'd ran into a lady and... uh, about a, a friend of mine, Peter Service, was another one of those cat burglars, but he'd get caught. He was a bad cat cat, he, real bad. He'd get caught so many times. And he told me, he said, you know, Terry, she prayed for me in that Jesus name, and I never hung out when I was in the lockup overnight. I said, why do I want to talk to June? So just before I'd done this arm hold-up, I'm talking to June, and I said, what is it, June? She said, you really want to come off heroin, Terry? I said, yeah, mate. I hate the stuff. I hate what it's done in my life. She said, you asked Jesus to show you the way one day at a time. 
Eleanor, is that what you're going to Yep, just pray that. So other things happen. It's in the book there if you want to read it. So I started to just pray that. And I went out and done this arm hold up. And this gun never went off after praying that prayer, you know, Jesus. I mean, it sounds weird, you know, praying to Jesus and going to an arm hold up. But <laughs> it's called brainless, you know. <laughs> But uh, I came back, I hit him over the head, I got the money out, I went back and got some big motor, a load of heroin, I had a massive hit of heroin. I'm living in a place called Cheddar Road Reservoir and uh, all my gangster mates that I lived with, they'd all gone up the road and they weren't home, I'm by myself and I'm starting to think about that bullet that never went off and I looked at it in the chamber and it had definitely been hit with a hammer and I thought, that's a brand new bullet. I put the same bullet back in the chamber, went out the backyard and fired it, went off. And I started to think about what June had said to me, asking Jesus to show you the way. Now, what happened then was I started to really think about it. I walked back into my room at the front part of my room. This is all on TV in Australia because uh, the book comes with a DVD that the Australian Stories did, a story on my life. And I went back into that room and I just started to pray, Jesus, I've just become this terrible monster. And all of a sudden, I started to cry. And, and honestly, I, had, I can't remember crying before this as an adult. And I was, tears were coming out my eyes and I'm just praying. I thought, how do you pray? You, you kneel down. I've seen it on TV beside your bed and you put your hands together. And so I'm just praying, Jesus, show me the way one day at a time. Just what June was telling me. Now, as I'm praying this, I mean, I'd like to go on this far for now, but I haven't got the time. But let me, this is what happened. As I'm praying this, it was at night time, a cold winter's sort of a night. And the light inside the room started, every time I'd open my eyes in this prayer, the light in the room brightened. And then closed my eyes and brightened again. I looked up, said, a globe going to blow up? What is wrong? And I kept praying, I kept praying, I kept praying, Jesus, show me the way. Lord, help me. And I'm crying. And I'm crying. I'm wondering if that's my eyes because of the brightness. The brightness became so bright, so bright in that room. Um, I, when I think about it, it, it really touches me because it just takes me back to that second. And, and inside that brightness, I heard the voice of God. And you say, how do I know it was the voice of God? Let me say something to you. I never heard God's voice before, but I knew this was God. And it's a, it's a supernatural fear that comes on you. It's a, it's a reverential fear, but it's a fear. And I'd never been scared of anyone in my life that I can remember as an adult. But this I knew was God, and it was scary, but a good scary. But I heard the voice of God speak to me inside. i never seen him. i just seen the light. I couldn't see nothing but light, like crystal light. And I heard the voice of God say to me, Terry Walker, he said, because you've called on my name, I'm going to pull you out of this. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to seat you in high places. I freaked out, mate. I just, I, I couldn't think of anything. I ran out the room and it, the brightness was only in the room. And this is like I said before, I was pretty brainless. I ran out the room and I looked back into the bright room and I said, Jesus, I'll do anything for you. Just please don't make me a Bible basher. 
That was the, I reckon maybe the Lord might have laughed too. <laughs> but I want to tell you, in that room before I went in there, I'd had a massive hit of heroin after that arm holder. Massive hit. I was out of my face. When I came out of that room, I was instantly sober. Instantly. And you know, the greatest miracle was I have never had heroin ever since that day. Praise the Lord. It was a massive experience. Now, you've got to remember this. Look, I still drank. I, I had no one there to help me. I went and got a living Bible. Started right from Genesis. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't understand it. You know, so I had no one there to help me. So I'm just trying. Man, how do I do this, God? What do I do? And there was a famous song out there, the Hawking Brothers, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. So everywhere I went, I walk into a pub. I kept drinking. I kept smoking dope. I didn't know. And I walk into a pub and someone put on the jukebox and it was the Hawking Brothers. And I'd be half drunk. And then I'd start thinking, oh, Jesus. And then I'd hear someone at the bar blaspheme Jesus. And I'd walk around and knock him straight out. <laughs> Thrown out of the pub many, many times. But it was every time I heard someone blaspheming Jesus. And I mean, I'm just sitting there going, what is going on, God? I mean, the weirdest stuff took place. Coppers are still after me. I said, I'm getting out of here. I rang uh, my mate Magoo. I said, get me a job back on the road. I want a Kenworth. He said, yep, no problem. Tony Pescatore rings me up. I jumped one of his Kenworths, started driving all over. I, I was easy for me to... To, to make a new licence in those days, easy as anything. I put a new name on it, got myself a new name and then started running up and down the road and, um, and told everyone, you know, this is... But anyway, cut a long story short, I met my wife, I can't go into it too much because of time, uh, ended up walking into a church. I was praying and asking God every day, just show me, help me. Still smoking dope, still drinking, doing crazy stuff like that, but not stealing anymore. Things had just changed in my heart. I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to find out more about God. And Sue would read me the Bible. The devil tried so many times to destroy our lives. So many times. It's just incredible when you look back. In the end, I walked into a church and the pastor said, who'd like to invite Jesus? And I put my hand up. Now, right at that stage, I'd become one of Australia's most wanted criminals because I took off. I took off from bail, and then there was, it was, there were bad charges. And, and uh, so they were smashing down doors down in Melbourne, a 1,000 miles. I'd come up to Brisbane and lived up there, and I was smashing down doors trying to get to you know, find out where I was, and I was very, very careful. Anyway, what happened... I said to the pastor, look, I'm a wanted man down in Melbourne. When he pulled me out the front, I said, what, what shall I do about it? And he said, I don't know, son. I've never met anyone like you. He said, <laughs> he said, just stay in the church. So I stayed in the church for another 14 months, and I learned the word of God. I eventually gave up smoking drugs. And just the one day before I got water baptised, I went and got all my plants that I had planted. I put them in the stove the night before, smoked them all, and said, that's the end of that one. <laughs> it's the truth. And the last fight I had, I said to Sue, come on, I go down the pub and I'll show you how I used to fight. She went, ah, oh, you couldn't fight. I said, go on, pick the biggest guy. She picked the big bouncer. I went, whack, whack, whack. Put him on the ground. I didn't whack him, sorry. I grabbed him, put him on the ground and went to hit him. And I promise you, my hands could not hit that man. It was like this. And I knew that had to be God. And I just said, that's the end of fight. And that's the end of drinking. I don't want it no more. I don't want no drugs. I just want to serve the Lord. And then it was... Yeah, true. 
Then the Lord spoke to me one day, like I said, 14 months after I'd given up everything. We got married. We'd done everything we, 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 which was in the Bible to do right, pay my tithes, go to church, do all the things. The Lord said to me, do you trust me? I said, yes, Lord. Three times that day. On the third time, we sat in the home. And my Bible was open. He said, do you trust me? And I heard him say this, in my spirit, give yourself up in Melbourne Police. I went, oh, six years in prison. <laughs> and uh, I, I looked down at the Bible and it was open, Matthew chapter 10, 16. It says, behold, I seen you forth in the midst of sheep. Uh, sorry, in the midst of wolves. Be as, you know, like as a sheep. You're going to be a sheep in the midst of wolves. And I went, he wants me to go to jail. So I found... Uh, I, I honestly, everyone knew me in the church. There's 1,500 people going to that church, Garden City Christian Church at the time. Um, and and uh, a lot of pastors come up and say, that can't be God. Look what, what's going on. I said, it has to be God. I'm telling you, I heard from the Lord. I'm doing what he told me to do. So we found a Christian policeman. Sure enough, they wanted me, locked me up. Uh, cut a long story short, they sent up a bad man. They had to extradite me. They threw me back to uh, Melbourne. And I went back into Pentridge Prison, this time as a Christian. And this time I said, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. Walk up and down the yards. I wouldn't get in there and go screaming, Jesus, because they'd kill you. But I thought, just walk up and down the yard and I'd just pray out of my tongue, Lord, send me a soul, send me a soul. Next minute a man would come and talk. You know what I found out about the prisons? They love to talk. They love to tell you about their life. And if you're a good listener, trust me, it works. Because at the end of it, they talk for an hour, an hour and a half. We walk it up and down that, and they say, well, "What are you in here for?" Oh, I gave myself up. What? You know, they couldn't believe it. But I was able to share Jesus with them. Had a massive revival inside Pentridge. I was, I was shanghaied from there. Yeah, it did, it really did. <clears throat> I was shanghaied there. The devil did everything he could to get me out of that prison. I truly believe it. And then uh, sent me to another prison called Daringdale. Daringal Prison in uh, Fairway Away in Shepparton. But at the same time, that revival, I, God got me out, but God stayed in there. That went on for another couple of years, going by a pastor who visited that prison two years later. He said that, you know, it was, it was still going. And anyway, I went up there. I got out of prison sometime later because I did go to court. I pleaded guilty of the nine charges. <clears throat> it's another story in itself. Magistrate's in a very bad mood. So this is the deal. I did it. And um, I was offered a barrister. I said, no, oh, no, I don't want to pay no barrister to say I'm guilty on nine charges. And I went right through. The four detectives stood to give evidence, the whole deal. I was the last man in court. He was in a dirty mood. And he just said, you know. And I just said, I'm guilty, guilty, guilty. Well, it really changed that man's life. And it just, it's just amazing what happened. I, instead of doing six years, I'd done six weeks. Incredible. And in that time, I tell you, I really, truly believe this. People think I'm crazy, but I believe the devil helped me get out of jail. And you say, why would he do that? Because we were getting people saved. And he don't want them saved. And so he's shang on me, pushing me here and there. I incredible stories of God that happened in that prison. It was mind-boggling. I got out of jail, and I went back to Brisbane. And I said, what can I do, Lord? I'm just an old thief. He said, uh, I'm going to open the doors for, you, for the prisons, which did, and I became a prison minister for 12 years. But, yeah, true. But not only that, I said, what can I do to earn money, Lord? He said, what were you good at, Terry? I said, it was good at thieving, getting breaking into houses. <laughs> he said, we'll start a little business called Heaven Sent Security Doors. 
So with a true, with a $26 drill, Susie would be my witness. We started that off, worked hard, man. I paid my tithes. I really found out about that, very important. And because it, it, it just opens doors for you. And I went to church every time. And then um, did that for seven years. And that little business who sold that business, that little business is still alive today. They did change the name. There's 200 people working in there now. Truly, praise the Lord. Everything God has got me to start is still going. Anyway, to, for, for lack of time, I just want to tell you this, that you know, I, I, I did the 12 years in the prison system and I learned so much going to jail. I've actually got into the prisons over here. I want to go and share in there, just share testimonies, do whatever I can. God's opened that door for me. I've sent in all the paperwork. They've already accepted me. I'm still waiting for the stuff to come back, but they did uh, openly say that I can do it. But on top of that, then the Lord, back then, after 12 years of the prison, the Lord said, I want you to start a church, get involved with the tribe of Judah Motorcycle Ministries. It goes into all the outlaw gangs. So I did that, started that church. I ran it for 16 years. 16 years. We had almost, or counting, you know, everyone, like kids and everything, 600 people go to that church. And most of them were gangsters. And... uh, and, and we had the CJC, the CJC of Australia stand at the front and watch me for two years. Calls all the gangsters getting saved and coming into the church. And then we had, um, we had uh, Hells Angels didn't like what I was doing. They thought I was selling drugs because I was, I was, you know, getting, God was blessing me. He's blessing me. I couldn't, I could, let me say this to you. It's the most amazing thing that just took place in my life. But I see the blessing of God, what he can do. The favor of God that comes upon your life. If you'll just do what he shows you to do. It's just that simple, you know. Yeah, you come under attack and things. As I, as I, I you know, and honestly, I still run the tribe today. We've been running. I love the tribe of Judah. It's a motorcycle ministry. I would love to see it come here in, a, in uh, New Zealand. If it does, it's up to God. I'm praying to find some person that rides Harleys and loves doing that sort of stuff. And I don't want to run it. I'd just be a, an oversight. The thing of it is, is the hatred against the police. Guess what? My oldest son is the big copper in Melbourne. <laughs> 20 years. Big, big policeman. So funny, the day he got ordained or whatever you call it, he... He, he, he uh, I was there, I flew down, I had tears in my eyes, I was so proud of him becoming a policeman, and uh, they'd been drinking a little bit, and two of his uh, young cadets came up and said, oh, Mr. Walker, we've seen you in the computer. I went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, listen, mate, this is way better than Robin Banks, mate, just keep doing it, Jamie. And he's still doing that today, and he's in the drug squad, and he's a very, very, very good policeman. And I'm so proud of him, mate. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Comes to this now. Uh, I I just had to run through this quickly, but here's the main thing. You need to find Jesus Christ. And we may be all saved and we may be not. I don't know. But let me say this to you. I was just sharing in in a uh, thing the other day, not far, not long ago. And um, at the end of it, it was a full gospel. At the end of it, I was saying, like, man, none of us know when our time comes or when we go to be with the Lord or we pass on. And, uh, and then on the way home, I get this message and say, my doctor 
you know, I went to him just to went and just got one of my ears checked just before we left to come over here. He'd been murdered. Uh, something that was just, it just shocked us. And it just shows you that none of us know <clears throat> when our time comes. And it's so important, so important to know Jesus. The main thing is to invite the Lord into your heart with your mouth, with your heart, by saying a simple prayer. And um, you might say, oh, I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to. It's got nothing to do with it. It's just a simple prayer asking Jesus into your heart, making sure that you're in that side of life. And then the Lord starts to, we're a work in progress. You know, I, I ran my church, like I was saying. It was the most weirdest church you've ever seen in your life. <clears throat> you know, people getting thrown out of it like bouncers and everything. It was incredible because it was crazy people. It? But you know what? I've seen God change so many people's lives. Very bad people, gangsters and mafia people change their life. And they're still walking with the Lord today. And they're pastors. And it just touches my heart. I handed that church over as long. If you want to see all the other stuff we've done, get on to terrywalker.online and have a look at the stuff that we've done over there that God has done through any one person that happened to be an old ex-druggy, terrible person like I was. <clears throat> like I was. Fed thousands of people. Started a, a care service that's um, still running today, feeding five, 6,000 people freely. Um, you know, like, you, you've got to have a look at it. Get on there, terrywalker.online, and have a look at the stuff that we've done in, and uh, we still do today. Although now, God spoke to me a couple of years ago. He said, I want you to go to New Zealand. And, and I said, Lord, it's too cold. And <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I've not felt. I'm in June last year when it was cold. And uh, in the ICFM over here in the ICFM, and love your church so much. And uh, you'll see a lot more of me sitting down the back there somewhere, believe me. But um, <clears throat> really feel in my heart that Lord wanted me here. So I said, well, you open the doors. And I said, I had a big business, that care service, turning over nearly 100 grand every week. I just had, it's huge. It's massive. Started off with four cans of baked beans. Susie, Susie's idea. New Zealanders idea. <laughs> and, and, and you get on there and have a look at it. It's massive, man. It's massive. But God wanted me to come here. And I'm no great preacher or anything. I muck up words, say the wrong thing, dude. Don't, you know, but the thing of it is this is to share, to hand over the baton, do anything I can to help the greatest revival New Zealand has ever seen. Amen. I gotta finish now. It starts off honestly with inviting Jesus into your heart. Would you all pray with me right now? And then afterwards, if Pastor will allow me to, if there's time, I'd love to pray for people if you need prayer. But I want to just pray this prayer. And, and right where you sit right now, it's so important. It's so important just to, to ask Jesus into your heart. It's just a, it just does something. Just say this for me. Jesus, I come to you now, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, would you please forgive me? things that I know that aren't right and there's probably things that I don't know that are not right but I want your forgiveness 
please forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my life now. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are still closed, there is an anointing, a powerful anointing here right now. I felt it when I was singing. That's a powerful anointing in this church. If you said that, really mean it with your heart first time. You really meant it. You want to show the Lord. Would you please put your hand up? Please lift your hand. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't walk out of here. We witness to our doctors so many times. And as far as we know, we don't know if they accepted the Lord. And then one night, he just walks out. 11 o'clock at night to put his stuff in for the next day. And a random thing. Nothing to do with doctors, nothing. He just, a guy walks by and shoots him and kills him. He's gone on to his reward. I pray that he went to heaven. I don't know. Maybe he did. It's so important to know the Lord. It's so important to open your heart and say, all right, Lord, come in, help me. Show me the way one day at a time, sweet Jesus. I might hand it over to the pastor now and I would pray for anyone who wants to, but I think those people have put their hand up. When I ask you, please, Jesus' name, stand up and come forward. Let me pray for you. I would love to lay my hands on you. I've got some anointed oil in my pocket came directly. My daughter works with uh, Benny in. He prayed over this little bottle of oil, gave it to me, and... Uh, and I want to lay it, just touch it with the oil, this anointing of the power of God. Would those people put their hands up? Don't be ashamed. Please stand up. Come forward. It's very, very important for you to do that. You've put your hand up. Yes, amen. Keep coming. Keep coming. Praise the Lord. Come over the center over here. There's more people. Please keep coming. <clears throat> for your sake, for Jesus' sake, keep coming, guys. So long here. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I got this little, I mean, little bottle of oil. I love it. Benny in himself gave it to us. I'm so blessed. But he prayed over it. So his anointing is here. Powerful, powerful man of God. I just want to touch you with the oil. Believe that God sealed your life in Jesus' name. The anointing of the Holy Ghost over each and every person, Father. They've accepted you. There might be people here that you've been away from God. And you come back, to, you, you want to come back to the Lord. We all have our mistakes. Let me say this to you. Don't walk out of here without getting your heart right with the Lord. It's so important. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that anointing. Thank you, Lord, for New Zealand. I love this place. Thank you, Lord, for that powerful powerful revival is going to touch every person in New Zealand. 
Oh, Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah 60 that great darkness will cover the earth, but praise the Lord. He said, I'm going to anoint the anointing of God, the light of the Holy Ghost. It's going to come upon His people. I hand it over to you. Is that all right, Pastor? Just to stand up to our feet. How many people are inspired by that testimony? Come on, put it together for, for Terry. Thank you so much. Let's give Jesus a shout of praise this morning for his wonderful ministry. Terry, that was just outstandingly moving and uh, we're so grateful for your ministry here today and uh, you're welcome here anytime if you want to come and preach and how many people would love to hear him again and preach yeah. I was inspired because you know in the in the early days of this church that was known as the wildlife center we had people I think someone even ran off with the offering box you know and <laughs> a pile of patch and there's people here from all sorts of different backgrounds and uh share a similar testimony and one of the things we just um, for me what I'm believing for is that the fire or the, the testimony that you shared many people here would would it would ring in their hearts that for some it would be completely foreign that's <laughs> all right but one of the things I'm believing for is that they the um, the spirit of evangelism would come up over this over the church again that uh, that we would truly be the, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And there'd be people here that would question in their heart. But I think now after hearing your story and what God has done through your life, yeah. you know, God has taken you from from all those crime to Christ. From crime to Christ. Yeah. You became a pastor, become a successful businessman. Yep. Yep. Now God's using you to to speak to uh, many people around the world yeah. and five thousand, six thousand people on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, you can you can you can you can see it on So bringing hope to so many people. Amazing. I want to encourage you, friends, today. You don't have to be standing on this platform to make a difference. All I want to do is just inspire you and, and help you understand that it's actually Christ in you that is the hope of glory. It's the Christ in you. It's the Christ in us collectively. And I pray that this morning that wherever you are on your story and your journey, that today you would encounter Christ afresh and that you would understand what God is truly like and what He can do through your life and how He can make something beautiful out of your life. Let me just pray for you all one more time. Father, I thank you for your family here this morning. I thank you today for those that have made a decision to invite you into their, into, you into their heart. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that every one of them will experience your love, that every one of you will experience your presence in their heart today. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you would use every one of them, every one of us, Lord, today, to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and to the community around us. Lord, I pray today, Father, that the giftings that are inside of them, Lord, the talents that you call, what you have called them to be, would fully emerge in Jesus' name. Father, I bless them. I bless those ones that have come here this morning. I bless those ones that have given their hearts to the light for the first time. I pray, Lord, for your presence to come in power over their lives today in Jesus' name. 
Father, I thank you for Bay City. I thank you for what you've called us to as a church. Lord, I pray even right now, Lord, that the fires of revival would stir in every heart here today in Jesus' name. Lord, that you'd awaken dreams. Lord, that you would reawaken evangelists. That you'd reawaken prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, apostles today in Jesus' name. Father, I release your hand of blessing in Jesus' name. Come on, one more time. Just lift your hands up. Holy Spirit, touch. Holy Spirit, touch. Holy Spirit, come and touch every heart in this place this morning in Jesus' name. Lord God's people said, come on, Lord God's people said, fantastic. For those of you that have just come up the front, this is Pastor Bob, a very handsome man, really good at catching fish. He's a great guy. And uh, if you just go to just follow him. He's just going to take you out to the side and uh, just spend a couple of moments with you. And I look forward to seeing you real soon. Thank you very much for coming this morning. Look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.